At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me in the studio is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's always great to be here with you to talk about these um, issues taking place in society, and we can look at them from... um, a biblical perspective. Yeah. Hey, there's a, a a news article, and I really want us to spend a lot of our time on this uh, news article in the Lexington Herald Leader recently, where 13 health professionals who provide care for transgender patients said that they had great concern and, in fact, outright distress over two bills introduced in the Kentucky legislature. Now, Ron, it seems like we talk about the transgender issue quite a bit, and that's because it's constantly in the news. And Mm -hmm. I want us to be thinking carefully and biblically about this issue. Uh, It's not because we, we want to overly dwell on it, but this is a huge issue, and it speaks to really, I think, who we are as human beings. What does it mean to be human? Are we grounded in our the sex that we are born in? Are we grounded in biology? And as Christians, I think it comes down to, are we made in the image of God? Yeah. And when, when you look at this issue from those um, different uh, optics, uh, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Uh, and then how does it relate to the transgender issue? I think that helps us to think Biblically, well, and, and it, it it can even expand further than that. This we have this idea nowadays where there is no universal truth at all. Yeah. Um, I say we society has formed this opinion that there's no such thing as universal truth, which, which declaring that statement nullifies this statement itself. Is yeah. the, if there is no universal truth, that in itself is a universal truth. <laughs> so yeah. you know, yeah. but 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 like age is fluid, sex is fluid, race yeah. is fluid, yeah. ethnicity is fluid, uh, biology is fluid, you know, just, uh, and, and it really, I think it, it stems partly from the globalization of the world. It used to be you were citizens of a particular place, the culture yeah. of a particular place and all, and I'm not saying that globalization in that respect is wrong, but borders have broken down, we no longer have ties back to where we came from and that sort of thing, and so people are trying to uh, come up with their own identities, and when you yeah. have generations of doing that, yeah. then then you know once you come up with your own identity, then what what's next? Well, so, let me come up the, with my own sex, yeah. my own my own way of looking at myself. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That uh, in the era of globalization, the borders have broken down, and we mix the different cultures and races and language. People groups have, are mixing, and so we're exposed to different things. But I would go a step further and say that the whole idea of truth has broken down. Oh, we live absolutely. in a post-truth society, oh, oh, uh, yeah. a post-modern culture where one of the phrases you hear often is, well, that's Ron, that's your truth, right. but I'm going to live according to my, my truth. truth right. And the truth is, is that there's one truth. Right, there's right. one reality, one truth. Now, we see things from a little different optic, a little different place. Uh, we've got different perspectives. But does that really mean that you can create your own truth or well, your own reality? Remember, not only are we rewriting our identity, we're, re- re- we're rewriting our language. And when I say mm-hmm. we, again, I'm talking about we as a collective society. And, and let me just back up a little bit. The mixing of cultures, the melting pot, all the rest of that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just yeah. saying that I think that was a catalyst yeah. to, to people saying, well, who am I really? 
if I'm not connected back to who I was, so who am I really? And we've even gone so far as to say, well, we can change the meaning of our words. Well, our Supreme Court decided that marriage was no longer something that was defined by the Bible, that the United States government, I'm talking about powerful, yeah. we're the most powerful nation in the world that we could literally t- change an institution that God created and define it as something different. Redefine it, yeah, taking so, away that one man, one woman yeah, definition and yeah. saying it's two people who love each other or, and, and want to be committed. Yeah. But we go a little further with some of these words, and they was the word of yeah. the year mm-hmm. uh, last year in one of the dictionaries. And they is meant to be, instead of which has always been a plural pronoun, right. referring to two or people, more people. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, and now it means a transgender individual who wants, they don't want to be identified as he or her, uh, his or her, uh, but they is the pronoun. So we're seeing the changing of language. I, I want to double back to this uh, article that I referenced, this opinion piece written in the Lexington Herald-Leader just a couple weeks ago that uh, medical professionals that were coming out against two bills in the Kentucky legislature that dealt with the transgender issue. Now, here's Here's what they said about the bills. Then I'm going to unpack what the bills actually did. Yeah, yeah. So Senate Bill 114 is is one of the bills. And they said that bill would create numerous obstacles to children's autonomy and self-care at school. So that's Senate Bill 114. House Bill 321, this group of doctors says, would actually threaten the lives of transgender children and take away the autonomy of health care providers and parents to consider all the options for their children's health. Now, that sounds pretty dramatic, but I want to unpack and tell you what the bills actually do. Senate Bill 114, uh, they say, would create numerous obstacles to children's autonomy. That bill actually keeps boys off of the girls' sports teams. Mm -hmm. It preserves girls' high school sports. That was a long-fought battle back in the 1960s, and finally, at the federal level, Title IX created girls' sports. It said, if they're our boys' sports, you have to offer opportunity for girls to compete in the high schools. And they have. And for a lot of girls, it's been great to have a volleyball team, a track team, other various sports, basketball. Uh, This bill, Senate Bill 114, preserves women's sports. But according to this group of health professionals, by the way, they said that they're not affiliated with the University of Kentucky. I'm guessing that they all have some kind of, they work there or there's some kind of somehow connected to them, but they say they did not represent University of Kentucky when they wrote this column. But according to them, Senate Bill 114 would create numerous obstacles to children's autonomy and their self-care at school. What does children's autonomy actually mean? I mean, it's great to be able to throw words around. Here's, Here's what it means. What they're saying is if a young boy identifies as a girl, you better affirm that young boy. You better allow him to join the track team or to use the locker rooms or whatever. And so the self-care would be if he wants to use the girls' locker room. That's right. To, um, the, oh, now, this is, ex- this is extremely troubling because we just talked about words changing mm-hmm. in a post-truth culture, right. and they're twisting really what's going on, not just changing words, but really more to the point is they're glossing over something and putting a radically different sh- sh- twist on it. I would say, Ron, that most parents in the Commonwealth of Kentucky would say, yeah, I don't think boys should join the girls' sports team. I don't think a young boy who identifies as a girl should be allowed to use the locker room. And yet that's where we are. Off of the air, you and I were talking briefly, and I shared a little bit of my frustration in that 
very, very few people are speaking to this. Right. Very few people are saying what is obvious to everybody. And and it's not that they can't do it in love. I'm sure people could do it in love, but there's just a great fear. It's the emperor's new clothes sort of thing. Uh, you remember the story that uh, uh, where only a little boy had the courage to say that the emperor's walking around naked. Yeah. Um, the the at the risk of of being overly graphic. Um, when I was a teenage boy, I mean, I took home economics yeah. um, because it was the it, it offered me the opportunity to be the only boy in a class full wait, of wait girls. Wait a minute, so let me let me interpret this. So Ron Hicks went to home ec in high school just to get a date. <laughs> well, you know, to be in a classroom full of girls. Okay. And guess what? Yeah. We we learned how to make chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. I could care less about what the guys thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And 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 when they started teasing me, I'm like, okay, how many classes are you in where you're the only dude? <laughs> now, if they would have said to me, so your motives then, were less than oh, oh, listen, oh, yeah, that, I could care yeah, less yeah, how to yeah, how to yeah. sew and cook yeah. and all the rest of that. I want to be in a class with all girls. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm no Don Juan, but I'm not Quasimodo either. And so <laughs> you know it. It 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 uh, it enhanced my social life. Let me just say uh-huh. that if yeah. if the, if I would have learned, yeah. hey, all you got to do as a teenage boy is to say identify as a girl, and that gets yeah. you in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, you know, we we are uh, my terms, not the Bible's terms. We're sick, twisted freaks. Yeah. I mean, we are yeah. helplessly and hopelessly lost. Yeah. And if there are no guardrails, if there's no boundaries, yeah. if yeah. there's no if there's no gutters in the bowling lane, if there's if there's not mm-hmm. any speed limits on the highway. Our desire is to be able to go as hard and as fast and and to do what it is that we want to do. So when we start saying the things that have been reasonable in years past are are, we're just going to do away with all that and do whatever it is that you want to do. There there may be, I I, I don't know. 1% 1% of people who may actually have a physical, logical, I mean, they, their hormones would test that they they appear to be a boy and they're actually more of a girl. In those situations, medical intervention absolutely needs to occur. Sure. But just because somebody sure. thinks that or they articulate that to allow them to do that, what about the rights of the little girls who say, that's a little boy? Yeah. That's that's a boy. I could care less what he thinks. That's yeah. a boy. Right. He's anatomically different than I am. He acts different. He's stronger. He's faster, and all the rest of it. I don't want him in the locker room with right. me. What that's about right. the rights of those girls the, the, to be autonomy the, and self care? That's right. They have the right to privacy. Yeah. They have the right to safety. The girls in their uh, locker rooms have the right to keep boys out, and that has been understood for as long as we've been around, Ron. It's just a common sense thing. You've got a son who's serving yeah. the United States in the United States Air military, Force. right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, I'm sure when he was a little boy, there were times where you were out with your family. Uh, everybody needed to go to the bathroom. Sometimes yeah. moms grab up all the all the children. Mom takes all the kids into the bathroom with her, right? You're out somewhere. Yeah. And, and there's an age where it's, no, you know, you see a little toddler, a little boy going to the women's bathroom. You say, okay, mom's taking care of him. If a 13-year-old little boy goes in the women's bathroom, everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, that's – but but now all the 13-year-old boy, boy has to say is, no, no, I, I, I'm i deciding whether or not I want to be a, a woman. So I'm going to, yeah. you know. Ron, I actually had that experience uh, not too long ago. I was speaking at uh, Bowling Green City Council. It's about it was last spring, actually. And uh, there was a debate over the fairness ordinance that was proposed Part of that fairness ordinance would have elevated transgender identity to a protected civil right. And there were some transgender people there. Well, I had to go use the bathroom. Right. And in comes this uh, person who looked fully looked female, uh-huh. transgender person that was there. And 
you know, I'm in settings like that, right. and I'm in difficult situations where there's people on the far end of this, uh, whatever spectrums. And I just actually the person had a we had a little conversation there, and I was done doing my stuff. I was at the uh, sink, and and um, I mean I wasn't going to. I, I, was I a little uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. But yeah. this is where our culture is, and that's why we're talking about this issue because this issue will impact in one way or another. Every listener who's tuned in right now, it will impact you in one way or another, whether it's in your school, whether it's in your neighborhood, in your church, mm-hmm. uh, your workplace. It's coming, and, and it's important for you to be prepared so that you can respond in the appropriate way. Ron, I want to pivot to House Bill 321. Yeah. This is the other yeah. bill that the medical professionals came out against. This is the one they say is life-threatening. They said this is life-threatening. life-threatening. They say... House Bill 321 would actually threaten the lives of transgender children and take away the autonomy of health care providers and parents to consider all the options for their children's health. What House Bill 321 actually does is that it prevents parents and caregivers of children to medically transition their children away from their born biological sex. In other words, you can't have a young boy who's fully boy. There's no genetic abnormality. There's no question that he's a boy, you cannot give them high doses of hormones to transition them to develop breasts or to change their facial features or or to allow them to have sex reassignment surgery. Ron, we're talking about children. Children. Children do not know better. Mm -hmm. Their minds aren't fully developed. They don't understand the lifelong impact that right. this kind of thing would have. Right. This was in your in your 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 notes before the show, but I I distinctly remember this. Uh, remember, there was a, a mom down in Texas had twin boys, yeah. and um, and one of them she changed his name, yeah. dressed him up like a little girl, sent him to school as a little girl. Yeah. All again, your father objected to every single bit of that. Yeah. A little seven year old boy. Yeah. Now, insurance companies who make billions of dollars understanding people, they say, we're not going to lower your insurance rates, the rates on your car insurance, until you're 25 years old, because your brain doesn't even really start to mature until you're 25. Most psychologists, psychiatrists now say it's it's closer to 28 years old. Um, And so we we say 25 insurance companies are going to say, you're responsible enough now to lower your insurance rates. But at seven, you can just... (laughs) You can decide. I'm laughing because you're you're right. The emperor's naked, oh. and and are we the only two that are seeing this? A seven year old boy. I think other people see it. You've as got well. to tell the seven. I tutor over at the school. Uh, I mean, I've been doing it for twenty something years. You've got to say to a seven year old boy, "No, you can't hit that kid in the head with your lunch pan. Yeah. Uh, your lunch pan. No, you can't. Do, no, no, you can't pull your pants down in class. You know, you got to go the right. You're right. teaching them what yeah. are social norms and yeah. and those sort of things. But so a seven year old says, "I think I'm a little girl. I think you need to shut up and sit down." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, and and this is just fascinating because this is the medical community saying that it would threaten the lives of transgender children. I would say that it grossly threatens the lives of young children who don't know any better. When you give them high doses of hormones, if you give them surgery that mutilates otherwise normally healthy reproductive organs, that grossly, that threatens their lives in a very real way. Absolutely. And and the reason they're saying threatening lives, one of the statistics that people who deal with the transgender issue, and and look, I'm I'm not saying there's not a real issue there. Obviously there is. If a, if a man who is anatomically a man, yeah. if that's the right word, I yeah. don't know, if, if all of their features, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all of their chromosomes, all of their DNA 
identifies them as a man, yeah. and they think they're they're a woman. Yeah. There's there's some sort of a problem there. I'm yes. not a doctor, so I, it's called gender dysphoria. Right, right, it's when right. your mind is not in alignment with your biological reality. Right. So you and I would both agree there is a problem there, a, yeah. a, a, a yeah. problem that needs to be fixed. Um, society said used to say, well, let's do what we can to be able to remedy it. There's this disconnect here that needs to be reconnected. And it seems like it's been so difficult to be able to find just that, not that magic pill or that magic therapy, but to find how to reconnect that, that it seems like the medical professionals are just saying, well, forget it. It's just too hard. So let's just say, okay, that's just who you are. And let's just speed them along. So the things that we know that we can do, let's just get to those things. Now, now, I'm not a professional, but I'm just saying it seems. What's contradictory, Ron, is that you have medical professionals that focus and dwell on the reality of science, the reality of biology. Those are fixed. It is fixed. If you have an XX chromosome, you're going to be female. If you have an XY, you're male. If you have certain organs, uh, you're a male. If you have certain reproductive organs, it means you're a female. These are scientific and biological realities that are solid. Now, what's ironic about these 13 medical professionals up in Lexington is that they are siding with somebody's mental state, which is in flux. We we change. You woke up this morning. You probably felt a certain way by noon. Hopefully, you after a little coffee, you're going to be more cold. Awake. You can probably hear yeah. it in my voice. Yeah. Sure, but you're going to change throughout the day. Yeah. Your mind today is different than it was when you were a teenager. Oh, absolutely. You have developed and you've grown. But the mind changes sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like to believe yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, but 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 look, you have these medical professionals that are siding with somebody's mental state over an objective biological reality. Well, let me play devil's advocate real here, real quick, and we we do this back and forth. Yeah. So 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 what? So so somebody's biologically a male and they think they're a female. Yeah. Why not just let them think that? Why, why not? Yeah. What? what I- what difference should that make to me? What difference should it make to my kids? What difference? Well, you're a pastor, so you know what God expects of us. Yeah. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. That's a big principle, that it is not loving to let somebody continue down a path that's going to hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron, you, you, could, you could say that you, you believe that you're a rock or you're uh, in that there's no purpose in right. your life and that your life doesn't matter. And I, it'd be my job to say, no, Ron, you're a person made in the image of God right. and God, you have potential and you have deep inherent worth. And, uh, it's my job to say that to you because I'm to love my neighbor. Mm-hmm. If we see somebody struggling with their sexual identity, it's important that we hear their story, by the way, I'm not talking about, right. we need to get out and lecture and browbeat and, you know, push people around. That's not what it means to walk with Jesus. But we listen to somebody's story. We are compassionate to them. We also have an opportunity to speak truth into their lives. Absolutely. And one of the things that you hear is when when people talk about the transgender issue, the the gender, um, you know, same sex attractions, what, whatever, whatever the, the what used to be called deviant behavior. I, I'm, I can't think of any other word. I don't mean that in any, any disrespectful manner. That's what it used to be categorized, and I don't know what the new term is now. So I apologize for that. Um, it, it, it used to, it used to be where okay, there there's a disconnect. Let's do everything we can to help to repair that. And and so the whole idea of just kind of giving up on people and saying, well, you just simply are then what you think you are, despite every other fact yeah. that says no, there's a there's a disconnect. We just say we're yeah. okay. We're just gonna 
Yeah. Instead of dealing with the problem, yeah. instead of really trying to bring that person to health uh, there, we're willing to just give in to, to let them choose their own path, and yeah. to, even though we know it's destructive. By the way, research shows that uh, the suicide rate for people who've had transgender surgery, who have fully hormone therapy and sex reassignment surgery, their suicide rate is 20 times higher than the general population. Now, this is after they've gone after through the they've therapy. After they've gone through the, everything they said they needed to be feel yeah. complete, yeah. then it's 20 times taking their own life because they they realize, I mean, it's like, you know, it's the grass is always greener concept. Yeah. If if I if I can become who I think I've been created to yeah. be, and, you know, I, there, there's people that have done the same thing in vocations. All my life I wanted to be a doctor. They become a doctor and they're miserable at it. Yeah. And yeah. so they they become a plumber, yeah. you know, and, and now they're, they're blissfully happy. Well, um, I mean, that... That doesn't mean oh I'm a doctor. Well I'm I'm I must be a woman then. I'll, let's yeah. be a woman doctor and see if that does any good. And then it's like oh you yeah. know I can't go Do, back. You know a lot of people that have lived in the transgender um, pattern of life uh, have end up ended up coming out. There are a number of te- there's actually an organization, maybe several organizations of uh, people who've left the transgender lifestyle and they're trying to uh, they've once again identified with their born sex. I, I knew a man personally I remember. Who, who who I've met before who was in and out, in and out. He thought, thought he was a woman, thought he was a man, thought he was a woman, thought he was a man, and, and finally decided that he was a man yeah. that struggled with the idea that there was a maybe a female inside of him, but he yeah. realized and every part of him was male. I mean, 6'5", former football coach, football player, there were, nobody would say, well, oh, that almost looks like a, a woman. I mean, yeah. it was... You know, I jokingly yeah. told him one time. I said, "You're not even an attractive dude. Come on, you're gonna, you know." And uh, that's but you the had relationship. A relationship. Yes, you could yes. talk to him and in a respectful yes. way, and, and he, he listened joked, to you. Yeah, and he joked back. I, I, in fact, baptized him. Yeah. Um, and uh, wow. I, I've lost touch with him. And if he hears this program, um, I, I hope he, you know, would contact me. But I also want to let folks know, the listening audience, know that that uh, you know, children who who identify as um, as as a sex other than what they're genetically. Mm-hmm. Um, Later on in life, when they become an adult, they they re-identify with their with their birth. Um, yeah, uh, at what right. six, 60, 70, yeah, 80 percent? Yeah, what is that? Seventy to eighty percent, according to a study by Vanderbilt University and another university in Europe, found that children who have transgender feelings or identities in you know before the age of eighteen eventually. Uh, identify with their born sex uh, later in life. Yeah. Which, uh, and that's without treatment right. or hormone therapy or any of that, but they eventually find themselves comfortable in their own skin, so to speak. And we, we know we have just a few minutes, and, and I, from the pastor's perspective, I want the audience to hear this. We we don't believe that there should be any discrimination against anybody who who thinks differently than we do, who who thinks that they're that regard you know the transgender homosexual whatever um, uh, pansexual all those different terms we we don't think there should be any discrimination we don't think that they should be vilified for that that's right you know the 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 foot of the cross is equal there's no that's male right. female Jew, right. gentile slave free you know so so Christ's love covers all um, we're just saying there shouldn't be preferential treatment there shouldn't be ridiculous to say okay here's this young man that's been a boy since seventeen. He identifies as a girl. Let's let him wrestle his senior year as a girl. And oh, by the way, he defeated everybody, and now he's the state champion. Right. The emperor's naked. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. that's just common sense. You just say to that young boy, "No, no, we're not going to let you that's wrestle right. as a girl. Right. You're a boy. 
Yeah. Now, once you get out on your own, you're a free moral agent. You can do what you want to do, and yeah. we, we need to pass laws to make sure he's not discriminated against. Right. But no, you can't wrestle as a girl. Right. No, you can't go in the girls' restroom. I would add to that, so as far as passing laws to make sure there's no discrimination, I think that there's something, there's something going on at a fundamental level, and that's that as Christians, let's talk about that, that yeah. we should be gracious and compassionate to sinners. Yes. Because, Ron, the reason why is because you're a big yes. sinner, I'm a big sinner, and Christ has shown his love and forgiveness to us. And because of that, we can show love and forgiveness to others and compassion to others. Uh, but as far as having laws that would, look, we stand in the gap. So as, as followers of Jesus uh, in society, when you see somebody abused or marginalized or hurt, we ought to stand in the gap. Absolutely, Shouldn't take a law to no. tell us to do that. Right. But we ought to be an advocate for those who are cast aside and downtrodden right. and marginalized. And that might sound odd to some of our listening friends out there because, you know, you think of somebody who's in this sin, trapped in sin, and well, why should I do that? Well, because Jesus did that for us. I, I watched a, a documentary on the AIDS epidemic in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and, and when it first came out, one of the leaders of the homosexual community said this. Mm-hmm. He said, there was no time in history that the church could have had more impact on the homosexual community than, than during yeah. the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. And religious leaders came out, and instead of saying, what can we do? They said, this is God's judgment on that sin, and got all Old Testament problems. And it just literally drove homosexuals away from the idea of a a loving God. I'm aware of that, and uh, that's unfortunate in those cases where there was pointing fingers instead of seeing that as an opportunity to minister Minister, God's grace. I am familiar with stories, though, of Christians who did go into the hospitals oh, absolutely. and they sure, did hold hands sure. of the person absolutely. dying with AIDS yeah, yeah, were, and they did minister yeah, to there needs. There were folks that were doing it right, but the yeah. majority <clears throat> weren't. And so if we see a transgender a young person being bullied, uh, a transgender adult being bullied, we, we should intervene. That's we should right. say, hey, look, we don't have to agree, when, but you're not going to treat them this way. When it comes to laws, I think that they have the same laws that apply to all of us. They should sure. be protected. They have the same rights, the same freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. They should be afforded the same rights. Uh, unfortunately, with uh, many in the LGBT community, they are seeking special rights under these fairness ordinances, which would elevate that their status to a special protected right in certain areas, housing, employment, public accommodation. Well, they say also, when I say they, many groups will say, um, we have the freedom of speech to say anything we want to. Mm-hmm. So you're a fundamental Christian, you're homophobic, you're transphobic, you're, you're this kind of thing, yeah. you're intolerant, you're that. Yeah. If we say, from a Christian perspective, hang on a second, you're living a life of sin, and all of, oh, that's hate speech, you can't say yeah. that. Well, well, no, yeah. whoa, whoa. If you have a freedom of speech, I have a freedom of that's speech. Right. You can say anything you want to about yeah. me, I can respond in love. Often we don't respond in love. But when somebody suggests, even in, within, in the First Amendment free speech, that I can say anything I want to, but you can't, yeah. you've infringed upon my rights, and the That's Constitution right. says you can't do that. And, and, Ron, it's interesting you bring that up because that is a very real discussion yes. that's happening at the university level. Some of the undercurrent conversations right now are, is it okay to call homosexuality a sin? Is it okay to say that transgenderism is is still a, a, a disorder, uh, is that a sin? And in parts of Europe, uh, it's viewed as hate speech. In Canada, it's viewed as hate speech to call homosexuality a sin. And if we care about our freedom of speech, I'm not talking about the freedom to beat somebody down right. and to throw them under the bus, but I'm talking about the freedom to articulate on this issue. If we care about that, we need to engage. Absolutely. 
So, Ron, with that said, tough hey, topic, th- this has been a topic. tough topic, but a good conversation. And I hope, I you, appreciate hear, listener, I hope yeah. you hear our love in the midst of that, because we truly love all people, because we were first loved by Christ. Amen. Amen. That's a good word to end on. Ron Hicks, thank you so much for joining me on the front porch. God bless you, brother. God bless you.